thoughts can pop into our head. And depending on maybe you were raised in the message, maybe you were raised in a church that uh, was out of balance, was was seeking after self-righteousness, was was uh, harming people with their with their zeal, uh, foolish zeal for God. Uh, not a zeal according to knowledge, but a zeal in ignorance and, and foolishness. And perhaps you hear the word holiness and you shudder in fear, like, what is he? You're telling us to seek a life of holiness? Yeah. We're, if you have Christ living in you, you will pursue you will press towards a life of holiness because there is a life inside of you pressing towards a life of holiness. Amen. And we, we don't want to be guilty in our understanding of election and predestination and the sovereignty of God that we're looking at it that it doesn't matter what mistakes that I make. It doesn't matter what sins I make. Now, you can, you can understand that scripturally because by the blood... We've never even sinned in the first place. That's what the blood was shed for us to bring us to that condition. And yet that doesn't give us a license to sin. Paul said, shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. Grace comes to bring a change, to bring a transformation. So, you know, you, you take the opposite. If you're not seeking a life of holiness, then there's a question mark on is the life of God dwelling in you? Right? So if you're, if you're just living ungodly, sinful, you might be really good at hiding it and, and concealing it. If you're living in that way, it's not the life of Christ inside of you. And so this is, this is critical and important to get these things in balance because on the one hand, you have self-righteousness and achieving your salvation. On the other hand, you, you have the life of God transforming you, bringing you to that. This is, this is what we're talking about when we're talking about seeking a life of holiness. Also, with a, remem a remembrance and an understanding of where you came from, who you are, what, you, what condition you were born in, what you can achieve on your own. Do you have an understanding? Do you have a good understanding of what you've achieved on your own? <laughs> Isaiah 64, 6 tells us, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. We are all we are all. That's everyone. Every single one of us are born in this condition. And therefore, what are we worthy of? Death and hell. So you and your own self-achievement, even religious self-achievement, you're impure and you're filthy. And you're worthy of death and hell. That's the condition that you're born in. So it takes God's work in you, not your own work, not your own achievement. You can't take a filthy rag and wipe something clean with it. You just, it might look clean. You, th you think, oh, well, that looks clean. It's full of bacteria and viruses and so forth, and you're wiping it down, and you say, man, I got such a clean, clean house. Oh, that ain't clean. You're going to kill somebody with that. 
that's got a sickness on it. And so we, we have to guard against that super religious message, fig leaf that we can put over ourselves and say, hey, I, I got it figured out. I'm, I'm doing well. My life is this. My life is that. No, it's not about you. It's about what Christ has done. Romans 8.13 For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. I love how Paul does this. He does this so many different times, and you read it. And if you just read that out of the entire context of Romans 8, you would have this idea. Okay, if I want to have eternal life, I've got to put to death the works of my body. I have to do it. Well, number one is, that's not what it says. It says, through the Spirit. Yes, amen. There is no, therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. This is the foundation of Romans 8.13. You're not living your own life. You don't live by the faith of Jason DeMars. You live by the faith of the Son of God. Right? So then that life, his life, is inside of you. So what's, taking, what's then taking place is the spirit inside of you is putting to death. Mortify means to kill. To kill or to become dead or put to death. So you're putting to death the deeds of the body. And in other words, what, what is he saying? If you're elect, if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, the Holy Spirit is doing a work in you to put to death the works of the body. Amen. Again, this is perfect scriptural balance. The perfect balance because you can say, well, I have the spirit, I believe. Well, the devils believe also and tremble. And tremble. Many of us don't even tremble. Sad, sad to say we're so lackadaisical with our understanding of God's grace and mercy we have no understanding of his, his judgment and his wrath. So that's the question. That's the question. You say, I'm elect. Is the Holy Spirit working in me to kill the works of the flesh, the deeds of the body? Okay. If the Holy Spirit is doing that work in you, you'll live. But if that's not what's happening, you're living. You're, if your life can be described as a life in the flesh... You're dead. You're dead while you're living. Colossians 1, 3, 1 through 5. Colossians 3, 1 through 5. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Right? So this is, this is, the, this is to the Christian. If, if, Paul puts it as if again. Why did you put it as if? Because it's, it's continually bringing that scriptural balance is if. You say you have faith. You, you profess faith. Okay. If you're risen with Christ, then seek those things that are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Verse 2. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. 
when we're, we're talking about seeking a life of holiness, it has to go into this level. What is your affection or desire? Let's talk about it in that sense. What is your desire? Your, the Holy Spirit brings a nature change, right? So then, what, then that change, when the nature changes, the desire and the affection changes. So what do you delight in? What, what, what do you, what is, if someone saw your life, they didn't know you from anything, and they started examining what's happening, what would they say? Amen. His affections are th on things above, or his affections are on things on the earth. His desire and his passion is here on earth. Or is it on Christ? Is, in, is it in the place where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God? All right. Four, again, Paul is so good for these types of, types of words. Verse three. Four, you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. If you're, a, if you're a real Christian baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And these other things follow. Your affections are on things above. You're seeking the things where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Amen. This is a promise. If you're in Christ, you will appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. Mortify in this uh, version of the Greek word means to deaden or to subdue. So a Christian is in the process. As long as you're here on the earth, <laughs> you're in the process. Yeah. Whether you're young, middle-aged, or old, you're in the process of putting to death your flesh, your members which are upon the earth. That is what Christians do. Look at it, look at it that way. That is what Christians do. They seek, pursue, they press towards that life of holiness. In the sermon, 1961, Perfect Strength by Perfect Weakness, Brother Branham says, every person that professes to be a Christian will forget his own ability and yield himself to God. Then God can achieve his purpose by sending not a revival, but brother, what he needs to do first is send a killing. That's right, so we can revive. You have to die before you're born again. And you have to, you, he needs this, a, a killing of ourselves. This tabernacle needs a killing and me with it, all of us. We need a killing so that we can be revived in a new life, a new hold, a new hope, a new experience. We need first a day of mourning. Mourning like sorrow. <laughs> we need a place of yielding to the spirit instead of so much depending upon schooling and upon our programs and our campaigns and all that we have. We rely upon cooperation with so many different ministers to cooperate. If we can't get so many, why we won't do it? We won't go to the cities without that. And then when we do that, we're making it a, in a great big machine that's got a carbon knock in it. We got to get away from that, that human ability 
We got to get to a place where we can surrender our souls and lives, even to the housewife, to the farmer, to the mechanic, or whoever you are. We got to surrender completely to God and know that we are nothing. Then let God start from there. Then he starts moving, working, and that includes all of us, everyone. Amen. You ever find yourself in a place where you feel like uh, you're... Your faith is weak, and, and you're not on fire for God, and you wonder, what happened? Amen. Brother Branham just gave you the formula of where to start and then where to go to. Where do we start? You've got to die to yourself, and then you've got to surrender everything to the Lord, completely to him, and know that you are nothing. Then let God start from there. It's like a, a clean slate. Okay, all of this has happened in my Christian life up to this point. So what? <laughs> all my righteousness is as filthy rags, Lord. I'm nothing. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm laying aside my thoughts, my desires, and everything. That's where God starts to move from. And when, when we say, God knows if we've laid aside everything. And put everything in front of him and said, Lord, everything's on the table. Whatever you, whatever you need to correct me on, whatever you need to deal with me on. It's not as though we say, deal with me on everything, but my video games are uh, over outside of that. My, my TV, never mind. What I watch on the TV, that's up to me. And this and that. No, we just say, Lord, everything is on the table. If something's coming between me and you, let me not be attached to that at all and just let go of that and give it to the Lord. That's what I'm talking about when we're talking about a start. Many times, we've, you've heard it preached over and over again, the, the devil will corrupt you little by little. He doesn't offer you uh, uh, a filthy movie to start with when you're, wa when you're walking closely with Christ and you're surrendered to him because he knows you'll just be repelled. So he offers you a little thing. It's, oh, it's, it's not too bad. That show's not too bad. That's, that movie's not so bad. And step by step, you're galloping down poison. Little by little. And that's the danger. And so that's, that's what we're talking about here. Let's get to a place where we surrender all of our lives to him. And sometimes we have to re-surrender daily we got to re-surrender all that we are to him and know that we're nothing and then let god start from there first peter 1 15 but as he which called you hath called you is holy so be ye holy in all manner of conversation speaking of your conduct god is holy we, we never really defined this to start up, and that was purposeful. What does it mean to be holy? Amen. Ultimately, mean, it means to be set aside. We understand, though, it carries even more than that. It means cleansed and set aside for God's service. Apart, sacred. These are some of the different things. Is you're, and You could switch it around and say, you're not normal. <laughs> you're, you're different. 
That's what we're called. We're not called to be normal. We're not called to be like everybody else. We're called to be like God. Be holy, for I am holy. Right? That's the next verse, verse 16. God is holy, so we should be holy. Why, should, why is that? God is different than us, right? Sure. You're called to be imitators of God. You're, you're called to be the expression of his image. If God is holy, you're his image. What is his image going to be? Holy. Set apart for him. Not a set apart for partially for God, partially for my own purposes, partially for the devil. No. Completely set apart for God. Completely laid us aside for him. This doesn't give us room to justify ourselves in our own sight. We, we can come up with very, the devil oh, yeah. speaking to us can come up with elaborate, logical reasonings to approve ourselves in our own eyes. That's not what we're talking about. We're called, over and over again it says, called to be saints. What does saint mean? What does saint mean? Anybody? Sanctified? A holy one. That's what it's called to be. Amen. Called to be holy ones or sanctified ones. Holy ones. Holy and sanctify is the same word, same root word. One just speaks of a person. One speaks of a, a, a thing. You're a holy one. So this should lead us to a life of self-examination before the throne of God. Then when it leads us to that kind of life, when we're talking about a life of holiness, we're not talking about religious works, religious behavior. You guys can, can look the part of the message. You all know what to do and what not to do. Y'all know how to put, push the envelope a little bit. We're not, we're not stupid. We're not dummies. <laughs> we, we know. We know. And that, that's looking at life through the lens of what do other people think? What, what, what is so-and-so going to think? What is so-and-so going to think? I can't do this because of this, this, and this. That's not what we live our lives for. We live our lives to be pleasing to the Lord. And that starts with a life, we don't, you're not justifying yourself in your own eyes, and for sure not trying to justify yourself to everybody else, and we live that life of self-examination before the throne of God, which then leads us to live a life of humility and brokenness before the Lord. It, that, that, that is that uh, earnest desire and earnest passion that we're seeking God with. I believe every Christian should have an earnest Amen. passion and desire that they're seeking after God. Not just, well, we go to church, we do this, I do my devotions, check it off the list. I got my checklist, and I finished the checklist. No, it's a love affair with Christ and it's a passion that you have for Christ. And this passion is birthed in, I want to be like him. I want to live like him. I don't care what other people are doing around me. I'm seeking and following after him. And I'm, you know, that right there will humble us because we know we can't achieve it on our own. We can't, 
follow that in our own efforts. It's a life that follows hard after the word. And a life that is pursuing, Lord, cleanse me from all worldliness, ungodliness, and anything contrary to the word. Take that out of me. It's not trying to live, I'm trying to live up to an image. So everybody thinks I'm okay and I'm a good guy. It can easily become that. And it does world over in churches. That's not what we need to be about. It needs to be a personal walk with him that bursts itself in a humility and an earnest passion and desire for more of him and living more like him. Not just talking about that, not just living that. Lord, give us that passion and that fire because it has to come from him. I'm not telling you this so you go out and achieve it. You can't. You can ask the Lord. That's what I'm telling you to do. Ask the Lord to give you that heart. If your desires aren't right, if your passion isn't right, say, Lord, my desire, my passion, my pursuits are not right. Correct me. Cleanse me. Make my desires right. Make my passions right. Make my burdens right. And he'll do it. That's what this is about. Recognize... Don't be afraid to recognize your own weakness. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be so proud of yourself that you have to put an image. I'm strong. I'm this. I'm super. I'm su- the super messagey believer. Come on, man. God sees right through all that. God is looking directly to your heart. Don't see. Don't say. How close can I skirt it to the world? How close can I get to the heart of the Father? What can I allow myself to do and still be considered a good message believer? Come on. Don't train your kids to think like that. And if you're thinking like that, repent at the altar. Don't leave the service today without coming to the altar and getting on your knees and repenting. It's not about appearances. It's about your heart being connected to the Father. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you now, Lord, and we ask a cleansing and, a, and a, as the prophet said, a killing, a dying to ourselves, Lord. May we come and we start and know that we are nothing and that on our own self, not only can we achieve nothing, Lord, but we achieve the, op- the opposite of goodness and righteousness, Lord. We need, we need you. We need you to cleanse and move in our desires and change our desires and passions and fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we would be seeking the things which are above where Christ sits on your right hand. Lord, I ask your blessing upon the service, upon the, the worship and the preaching and You be with us in all these things and move in a mighty way. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.